0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the top-rated fitness, health, and entertainment podcast in the world. This is Mind Pump. Oh, boy. Today's episode, we interview Steve Cook. Now, this is the guy that pretty much was the first fitness influencer. He kind of created the space. He's one of the first people out there to build an account and get followers because they were fit and because of the fitness information they gave. More recently, he was one of the hosts on The Biggest Loser TV show, and this guy's actually a great guy. He actually knows what he's talking about. Unlike most fitness influencers, he knows what he's talking about. So in today's episode, we interview him, talk about a story, what it was like being one of the first fitness influencers out there, paving the way, what it was like being a host on The Biggest Loser, and what his goals are for the future. Now this episode, oh, by the way, you can find Steve Cook on Instagram. Okay. He's got a huge following. So it's at Steve Cook and that's on Instagram. And you can also go to his website, fitnessculture.com. Now this episode is brought to you by some sponsors, uh, Element T Element. This is an electrolyte powder you put in your water that has the right amount of sodium to fuel your muscle contractions, your workouts, and your pumps. It's also Naturally flavored and has zero calories, zero sugar. Go check this company out. And right now our listeners can get a free sample pack. If you go to this link, drinklmnt.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get that sample pack with any purchase. Also, these are the final hours for the May maps program special. So this is what it was. Maps prime, maps, prime pro and the prime bundle, all 50% off. If you're listening to this episode, when it first drops, you still have a chance to get that sale offer. So if you're interested, just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, click on one of those, and then use the code MAY50 for the 50% off discount. All right, here comes the show. Steve, I wanna go, you're, you're like the original, uh, I wanna, I would, I would say you're like one of the first like, uh, I guess real influencers in the space. Like you, you were kind of the dude. On <laughs> you YouTube like that
1: YouTube. term. Huh? <laughs> Before I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had it no, no, it's Oh, fine. bro. We hate as it, bad. So it's <laughs> yeah, bad. I, do it.
0: I mean, you kind of wrote the blueprint. I, I would say like one of the first people to really do it that way. I want to go way back, dude. I want way to know back. how this started, like who who you are, where you grew up, and yeah. let's let's walk through the timeline. I'll preface it with probably
2: it was just being in the right place at the right time, okay. but yeah, we could do that for sure. Yeah, but,
0: yeah, let's so. go back. Let's start, like, okay, where'd you grow up? Let's talk a little bit about that yeah. and, and how you got into fitness and then how this all turned into this media
2: yeah. thing. Yeah, well, I grew up in Boise, Idaho, so kind of kind of smaller community. My dad, like big family. So I have about six, six in my family that I grew up with, and then some stepbrothers and sisters. But Wait, six, six kids? Six siblings, yeah. Oh, oh shit, wow. I know yeah, no, big family. Um, Where do you I, fall in the group? I'm kind of right in the middle. Okay. So yeah, I have, I had a stepbrother who's younger. I have a half brother who's younger and a younger sister. And then I have basically, actually, when you start including step in there, it's like, Eight kids. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you guys re- I'm losing re- track here. As how a- many
3: were actually in the house though growing up?
2: In the house, there was about five. Okay. My, my sister, she was older. So she was kind of, she was kind of out by the time I was, you know, teenager. And she actually lived with my grandparents for a while. But yeah, five to six, depending at the time. And I kind of was, I had two younger than me. So. Okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So Mormon, do you guys grow up Mormon? Is that- no.
2: Well, see, my parents were divorced when I was super young. My mom's side and my mom, LDS, they were Mormon. And then my dad, he grew up Catholic, like New Jersey. And so we were raised, I lived with my dad, and we, my stepmom, we were just raised kind of non-denominational Christian, but always kind of had a good, you know, idea of what, you know, Mormonism was about and things like that, because my whole side of the family was, my older brothers and sisters were actually, like, baptized, and then Mm. taken off the records and stuff, like, never really talked about the religion stuff, but yeah, so they, we grew up pretty religious, but big family, dad was an athletic director, high school basketball coach, so it was like, we were just always activities. Mm. His, were you good? Rebellious? What were you? I was the shit. Like a, I was like good or bad. Bad. It? Yeah, okay. no, oh, I, I, was, okay. I was a little shit. Okay. Not, not the <laughs> shit. I was a little shit. No. So I, I kind of was just one of those kids that always asked why. Like, you know, like, don't do that. Why? Like mm. always jumping out, wow. out off of things. I can remember like if something was high as a kid, I just wanted to jump off of it for whatever reason. Just probably my fear of heights. I felt like I needed to conquer it. But like I was just like my dad, because it was. I was my stepmom, I was kind of a troublemaker. You know, I just had a lot of energy. My dad kind of took him everywhere, like anywhere, anytime he had a basketball practice or, you know, he was an athletic director. So it was always sports events. I would go with him. This is as a kid. And that's kind of where I actually got introduced to the gym because he was at a high school, good old Bora High School in Boise, Idaho. And they just had this like dark dungeon gym downstairs. And so, like, at yeah. 12, 13, like, we would go to the track and then he'd also make me kind of work out. None of my older brothers and sisters like liked exercise really. Like we all did like track stuff, but none of them liked lifting weights. But my dad was like, You want to watch T V? 50 push ups. Oh wow. Yeah, like commercial breaks, fifty push ups constantly. But I kinda I just kinda took to it too. It was like one of those things that as a like a little kid, I liked being that that strong kid. So, oh wow.
0: And so it you responded pretty well to it?
2: Yeah, it was, it was just, I think in sixth grade I had like, you know, I was, I think I benched like 220 in sixth what? grade. What? No, yeah, no way. It, yeah, it was Shut stupid. So I started doing pushups as as this little kid. I think at, at, at one point in time it was a national record. I don't know if it is or it isn't anymore, but. Wow, that's huge. 220, 225 at sixth grade. When I was in ninth grade, I it just was 315.
0: 315 as a freshman. <laughs> as a How freshman. How much bro? do you
2: think yeah. you weighed? Um, my, as a freshman, I weighed 185. Okay. So and still it was all up at the wall at my high school and things like that. But so it paid off. In sixth grade, this girl asked if she could touch my pecs, and that was like the first time I was ever like, "Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is more than just like sports stuff. Like this is this is kind of cool, but
0: (laughs) it's a superpower. It was it was interesting. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Yeah, always took to it.
0: Yeah. So so growing up at home with all those siblings was it? I have uh, there's four of us in my house, and it was just loud. It was always loud. There's always Something going on. Was it like that for you? Just, 100%. just chaotic and 100%. just. Okay.
2: And my dad being from New Jersey, there's like kind of that East Coast brashness. Where it's like we would get around the table, we would talk politics. You know, okay. usually my dad and and I didn't care about politics when I was a kid, but it was like you know we would talk and we would kind of argue. My oldest sister, who you know wasn't athletically inclined at all, she was just academically. She was a great speech and debate. She, I think, she won state and debate. So like my family just kind of that's what we did. We just. We would get along, but it didn't sound like it.
0: <laughs> Were you a good student in high school?
2: No. Well, I was good in classes that I liked. So I was kind of always my MO. Like, English hated it. You know, like, I, my, my dad, I think, got called to my school a couple times for, I think I I tried uh, turning in a girl's notebook like this. This You know, we had done all these assignments, and I, I think I, she had done it earlier because she was going on vacation. I'm like, hey, just give me some of those pages. <laughs> So those types of classes, like the things I didn't like, but science, you know, I was decent at and things like that, PE, no, but it was, (laughs) it was kind of like the classes I liked. So in college, I got serious about, about school, but in high school, didn't love it. what did you study in college? So I was a biology psychology major, integrated studies. And that was like, I was going to go into chiropractic, but that was where I was like, I kind of enjoyed what I was, you, you pick what Field you want to go into, mm-hmm. so I was picking mm-hmm. classes I enjoyed. Yeah, so I mean, you 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 have a real background in
0: uh in fitness, and what I mean by that is uh, there's a lot of people in our space that work out, look good, but they don't have the background, like let's say a coach or a trainer. Yeah. Like, this is something you actually pursued, like understanding the human body, understanding exercise, yeah. and so that's why you want you were maybe going in that chiropractic. I was yeah, grade. I was going
2: to go the chiropractic route, and I, I so in, in high school I you know football, basketball, baseball, and then ran track, and then what was your college? Football. So okay. I played college football, played outside, played running back in high school because in Idaho, you can be a running back if you're a white kid. Like, it, it, we, <laughs> we didn't have the athletes that you guys have in California, is Actually, what I'm trying to say. Hey, so it's the same out here. It's, yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of those things that, like, I got to college, like, yeah, you're not a running back, man. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, but you know, you're athletic and in Idaho. It's like, we're going to give you the ball. But I played linebacker in college and, uh, yeah, just, Division two school, we mm-hmm. sucked, but it was mm-hmm. like that's Justin's yeah, experience. It's, yeah, that's like my same story. <laughs> Who'd you play Where'd you play at? Trinity, okay, in Chicago. Yeah. Okay, so we played yeah. like Humboldt. Okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was my first experience with Northern California. and That was a trip, yep. but yeah, we played. We were in kind of in that conference, and uh, so we bust everywhere though. Mm-hmm. So we it was rough. Did you have any fitness heroes back then? I mean, you're obviously following it. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, like everyone, cliche Arnold. Mm -hmm. Like, it was one of those things. Van Damme. Like, we grew up in, I feel like, this golden age of (laughs) TNT Friday night was like this amazing time. Sylvester Stallone. Massive superhero body, guys. Yeah. And, and so that was, those were all kind of all of, all of my heroes. I would say then of course, like Walter Payton was, he was, because I was a running back in high school. Like Walter Payton for me was like a God. Mm. Like that's kind of who mm. I looked at. And I had all his VHSs about, he used to run hills in like Mississippi. so. yeah. yeah. Like, that was kind of, those were my, fit like, I would say fitness idols. Do you have any
0: business sense back then? Because obviously you built your business through, you know, obviously YouTube and and social media kind of before a lot of people were doing it. Did you have any, if you look back, would you say, oh, yeah, I had a little bit of that?
2: Not, not really. I mean, hard work in that, like, again, when you, we would, we'd have to have a job growing up. Like, so my parents, I got a hand-me-down minivan when I was in high school, well, that's what I drove. That My friends tough. actually called it the Rate Mobile. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad because oh, you no. couldn't get you could get in the sliding door, but you couldn't get out. Oh, that's why. So the only <laughs> door you could get in was the driver door. That's that was a panel. In they didn't and have out. windows. It was a Chevy too? Lumina, and okay. it was like two tone maroon and silver. And, it says uh, Free Candy on the side. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was sketchy, but no, it was character builder. But I think that I, I drove that because. I didn't actually work around because of sports and stuff like that like that was the only car i could afford was the hand-me-down but we always had to like parents and stuff like going off to college was always like hey you pay 50 percent we'll pay 50 (coughs) percent." i got a a scholarship for football so that was kind of fortunate for that but like yeah my parents never never like i remember being like overdraft and in college my dad being like tough titty your credits like dinged and Mm. things like that so yeah. Now as a kid, were you like annoyed, like oh come on, dad, like totally. help me out? And but looking back, do you feel like that was a good? Yeah, I hate I hate admitting it, but definitely looking back, you know, you, my friends it just kind of felt like they had everything mm-hmm. handed to them, or or parents bailing them out. Um, at the time, sounded amazing, but looking back, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll never parent like that either. I'll never just give people people things
3: what has the what has the relationship been like for you and your parents like the
2: trajectory of it like you
3: you grew up in a blended house Yeah, sound like you were a little shit a little bit like so yeah. did you have uh, animosity towards them growing up has that shit times did, okay yeah,
2: i got kicked out of my house actually like my senior year half like it was funny because during football season my dad and i got along great i was in the newspaper i was all state like we, we got along great for some reason and then Not during football season, I think things would, we always would butt heads a little bit more. Like, I I remember coming home, I had a girlfriend that was a couple years older than me, always trouble, Um, but I like to push the boundaries, and I think I came home a couple couple minutes after curfew, and like, my dad just had thrown out all of my clothes, and I was like, F this, I'm out of here, and like, so I went and lived with my friend um, for about two months until his parents were like, hey, you need to go back home. I'm sure they, like, (laughs) at first it was great, but then you have some other teenage kid in the house, and so... We ended up, you know, I ended up going back home, but yeah, it was, it was, a, there was a lot of probably butting heads probably because my dad and I are pretty similar, Oh, really? but he was very like, again, six, seven kids at home. You're a teacher. Like he, I feel like he probably had a lot of stress and he, I kind of saw him, he was a good college athlete, but he kind of internalized that. And he, he was actually pretty heavy. Uh, like even though he was involved in sports growing up and stuff, when he got to, to be a teacher and a coach, he well over 300 pounds. But so
3: was there a point in your <clears throat> probably 20s or even 30s where you guys that kind of came back around? You guys got a better relationship yeah,
2: for sure. I think it, it actually. So not to jump ahead too far, but I got I got married early on to a, a girl who was LDS at the time. who was mm-hmm. Mormon at the time. Um, got baptized, like did the whole Mormon thing for like a year or two. And then we were both like, yeah, we're, we're not really Mormon. And then we ended up getting divorced a couple years later. Um, She was working as a nurse. I was done playing football. We moved back to Idaho from St. George, Utah, where I was going to school. I was working at Texas Roadhouse. I had like 16 credits to finish. Didn't really know what I was doing. Did my first bodybuilding show at that time Um, and was kind of just like this guy who always identified as a football player, always thought like NFL and, and then when that didn't happen, it's kind of like, okay, what am I doing now? So she ended up cheating on me with a doctor that she worked with. And that was kind of that. Moved back in with my parents. And that's kind of where my dad uh, and I, I think, probably bonded. How old were bonded. you at this time? About 23. Yeah, wow, well, so, so you I was got young. married real young. Real young. Yeah, that Utah, Idaho. Sure. So we got Average. married at 20. I was 21, got divorced right before I turned 24. I was think. that hard? Yeah, it was. I think cause I probably would never have of quit on like a relationship i probably like if you're miserable like you just work it out and eventually things get better but i think it was probably in hindsight the best thing that ever happened just because being married that young like you don't know who you are like i was just thinking about this today is my wife and i's one year anniversary and i was like it's it's more about not necessarily finding that right person but being in a good space yourself to then kind of and i i feel like Mm -hmm. i was never it took me a long time to get to that spot where like I was ready to get married, I Mm. think. So
0: how did, how did, how did this, uh, you know, the business side of you start, how did it all, how did it switch from, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not doing football to, okay, I think I'm going to do this fitness thing and turn this into something.
2: Well, after kind of the divorce, it was kind of a long, hard look in the mirror. And there were some things I was like, yeah, I, you know, there was some truth into some of the things we probably fought about. And, And then it was like, okay, you know, what are you doing? Bodybuilding.com was in Boise, Idaho at the time. I would volunteer, like, my time. I did some bodybuilding shows. But then I was like, I got to go back to school. Moved back down to St. George, Utah. Finished my degree. It was only a semester. At the same time, prepped for the muscle and fitness male model search. Oh. The good old, like, in Vegas at the Olympia. This is before men's physique. Uh Um, So I was... 16 credits, working at Texas Roadhouse down in St. George at the time, and then prepping for this show. And it was like 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night. Like I would leave, leave the house, my grandparents' house. They let me stay there and I'd be gone like all day, workout labs for my classes, then Texas Roadhouse and then like do cardio at night. And that was the first time I really felt like I realized like, okay, how, how hard do you have to work? Like didn't have a ton of balance, didn't date, didn't, you know, didn't do anything fun really. But it was like nose to the grind, finish what you started. And then that kind of is how everything came about because after the muscle and fitness model, model search, it was optimum nutrition sign with them, bodybuilding.com. I won their spokes model search and then kind of just evolved from there. Just time during Facebook, Instagram wasn't even around yet. So it was, uh, was so, there a
0: moment when that was happening where you're
2: like, huh, this is, this could be a business or was it more like, let's just see what this turns into. It was kind of like, let's see what it turns into. I remember shooting. There was a, uh, I think he shot Iron Man magazine when it was around still. Oh, I remember that. Bill Comstock, I think was his name. Mm -hmm. And we were shooting. He's like, you know, there's no money in bodybuilding, right? (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm just kind of doing this for fun. Like, I'm going to be a chiropractor type of a thing. But then I was fortunate enough when I did sign with Optimum. It was just, again, right place, right time. Bodybuilding.com, they were kind of at their peak. And that having both, you know, volunteering my time when I was back in Boise um, they knew who I was when I won the competition, it was like bodybuilding.com and optimum nutrition. They were doing things together on their, on, on bodybuilding.com, like the big man on campus. That was a bodybuilding.com, optimum nutrition collaboration. And then from there on, it was like, Hey, optimum and bodybuilding.com send me to as many expos as you, as you want. I, I continued to work at Texas roadhouse cause they were super flexible with my schedule, but I was like, send me around the globe. I want to see the world type of a thing. And that was actually, I, again, I really didn't know it, but that was how I built my following was meeting people in mm. Singapore, Malaysia, China, mm. Australia. Like we, I just would do 15 expos a year and just just sit there in line, talk to people, talk to them about their fitness goals. They'd get a picture. They put it as their profile picture. Then their friend would like follow along. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. So it was like an organic as it could wow.
3: get. Now at that time, are you already signed with optimum nutrition yep. or is, okay. So you did
2: sign. Now, yeah, are you I,
0: making good money at the time or was it more
2: like you just, you're just traveling and. Yeah. yeah. So the nice thing was, I remember I was super happy. Optimum like bodybuilding.com was $500 a month in supplements. I was just happy. to That's get just supplements. like Craig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. Same thing. And then optimum was a little bit more, um, it was like a thousand a month plus supplements. But then so I was like actually slinging supplements to like my local supplement dealers, like the, like the, lo- <laughs> yeah. the local supplement stores. I'd be like, I was getting like $500 from each. I was going in I'm like, Hey, how much do you want for this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and so like I was, I was making, I was making money doing that. And then of course, Texas Roadhouse, but it wasn't a lot. But the nice thing was, is I just remember I'd never left the country before. Um, and they're paying for you to do that. Paying and it's yeah. business class because it's their policy as a company for optimum nutrition yeah, was cool. over a certain certain distance, you get business class, and you know, when I'm there, they paid me a little bit extra and then food and everything else. What are you about comp, so. 25-ish, right? Yeah, 25, 26 in there. Okay. So and then it was like that was like my life for seven years, I felt like. Competing oh, wow. in there, you know, men's physique came around and I was the third men's physique pro because kind of that muscle and fitness contest was kind of like the spinoff to see if this physique ca- category. We got so much shit. Men's physique guys right. at the start it was like, oh, men's you're not fine. yeah, men's bikini, yeah, men's bikini, men's bikini, <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was funny, but, but yeah. it was, um, you know, it was the massive category. People wanted it. Oh yeah, no, it's changed them. a lot. Uh, <laughs> but now it looks like fucking bodybuilding.
3: Yeah. Now, just this short time that I was out of it, I was like, yeah. holy crap, this went like it's insane. Yeah,
2: it's just like I look at the guys now and I'm like, whoa who is writing this criteria for this sport? Cause like when I came out, it was, you know, they wanted the surfer look. They wanted like okay. something attainable. Yeah. And that was why I, so I went from natural bodybuilding. That was the, when I lived in Boise, I did like three natural bodybuilding shows. One that they said was natural, but definitely wasn't. Nobody was natural that one. Um, and then men's physique came around. I'm like, Oh, I can be natural and do this. I just remember getting on stage at that first Olympia and be like, yeah. Okay. The 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 game plan has changed <laughs> yeah, real quick. So. Have you stayed natural this whole time or have No. You had- so well, and for me it's always I always was like when I would say natural, it was always like I would there would always be a little bit of when it was like the McGuire stuff back in the, the Oh, Andrew and yeah. Pro hormones So it started off kind of with that. Yeah. And again, it wasn't like, oh I'm not it's not an illegal compound. In Utah, there are all, all these mom and pop pharmacies um that would produce these pro hormones even well after, you know, it was, it was kind of done.
0: Now some of these were like, uh, cause that's what I did in the early two thousands. I buy them cause they're over the counter, but they are actually designer steroids, like yeah. super drawl. And, and we didn't know palidrol. that. Like, yeah, I was yeah. just
2: like, Oh, it's, this is fine. I'm getting yeah. it over the counter. I got gyna like <laughs> crazy yeah. on this yep. stuff. Yeah. And then I think that the second Mr. Olympia, I was like, okay, you know, like if I'm going to compete, if I want to do this, ultimately I was like, I kind of stepped away from the sport because it's like, I I don't want to be doing three, four different compounds. And right now I'm not, you know, like I've done TRT in the past, but I want to eventually have kids right now. So we're looking at doing some peptide stuff with like Mm -hmm. in and those types of things just to get my natural testosterone Mm -hmm. up. But yeah, I think that that second year there was I was on testosterone and I was just like losing my mind. Like when uh-huh. I was like, oh my gosh,
3: we actually got doing? pregnant when I was on on, on TRT. Yeah, from yeah. the HCG. <laughs> yeah, they just kept me on HCG at the same time. And that's
2: what that's like. I, I, I wanted to see how I get, get my natural testosterone, and then if it's still in the crapshoot because, like, last I got tested two weeks ago, and it's like three forty. So
3: that's what I did. So I went. Yeah. So after competing for four years or whatever, I and I was taking high doses of testosterone. Yep. I go okay, and then we were together. We're going to have a kid. I said, I want to go natural and see if I can just build this myself and yeah. just sleep, diet, do all the right, t- yeah. turn all the right knobs. It was probably what, a year and a half? almost it took a while. Almost two years. And I made a little bit of headway from like taking me from like 200 something. Yeah. But I only got to about, I think it was like 350, 400. Yeah. That's about feel what good. I'm
2: at right now. And it, yeah.
3: And so, and that's where eventually, I, and then I remember talking to the doctor and he's like, no, we can, we can put you back on hormone therapy. We'll run HCG with it. You'll still be able to get pregnant. And that was kind of the deciding factor for me to get back on H- uh, hr Tea, so
2: and that and that you probably can speak to this as well that was always kind of like it was this constant tug of war for me it was like do i do i just go after it and and say hey chalk it up to the sport and just right. do what these I, you know i had coaches say hey steve if you want to compete you need to do this this and this and i'd be like oh, i'll try that other stuff and it was never it was never quite the same like i again being a kid that benched you know i was always a big strong kid but it's a different level i can compete in natural bodybuilding i just remember seeing Bundia on stage that first olympian like, okay that that that's the physique that this class is going to be i think mark flex anthony won that one though yeah
3: that was he was the last of the kind of like not so great looking bodies. If you go back and look, if you pull up, pull up Mark Anthony, a uh, men's physique champion and compare him to what, so, what you, what is winning today. And, yeah.
2: Well, and the funny thing was, he wouldn't even that. get
3: last. He would get laughed off the stage on the shows. Now it's crazy.
2: And when that was my life at the time, I was devastated. That was the first show I really had ever lost. Was that Mr. Oh, so Lund? you
3: probably got a little taste of the politics
2: right out the gate. Oh though. my gosh. I was told I had to get people. I had to announce things to my followers to tell them that I thought it was fair. And it was it was so interesting how oh shit they, they because at that time I don't know if you remember even you know I'll probably never compete again because but if I did I'm like I'm I'm ruining my chances here it was one of those things that it was FMG was a management company yeah. you remember FMG yeah, yeah. they had their guys yeah. in this Optimum Nutrition was like hey we we won't work with that management group. So you, if you want to be with them, you're not going to be with us. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't care about competing that much. I, th- I still think I can win it without being part of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely wasn't the case. Like the top three out of the top five guys were with them. It was pretty clear how things were going, but the, like the bodybuilding.com forums at the time, I remember like kind of reading on them and there was just like, people were throwing a fit so much. So were like the IFBB, a couple of the judges, one of them now He's no longer a judge about five to six years ago. He stopped stopped judging and he like came back and kind of, you know, talked to me about the politics after he was out of it. But they they were like, hey, man, can you make a statement saying you thought it was thought the judging was fair? Wow. And so, like, I was like, well, you know, I didn't know if it, you know, wasn't fair or not. I just was like, it didn't, it didn't feel right to me. Like oh, the, was... A lot of the guys that we thought were going to be in the top one, two, three, were, were nowhere well, close. I,
3: I explain to people when they ask about it, like, the reason why, because, I mean, you sound like a, a poor sport. When you, you do. Talk, if you say, like, oh, yeah. the politics. Yeah. So I was, like, really, like, hesitant to ever say this. But when you explain, like, how it works, you, I, I say, listen, with these shows, okay, first of all, they don't make a lot of money, so they need money. Yeah. The people that donate to get their names on the banners and everything like that 100%. also happen to have teams yeah. of athletes that are in it who are also helping pay the wages to the judges that are there to judge these events. 1000%. So, you know, you got a guy like maybe me or you, who's not represented by anybody who comes on the scene and stuff like that. And we're competing up against, you know, whoever it is at that time that is donating the most money. And yeah. there three athletes are there. Like, you're going to have to re- – and what I thought was crazy, I don't know if you had the same attitude. Like, I was so, like, confident about myself and my abilities. I was like, I'll fucking still win. Like yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I was oh, too. Yeah, oh. I had that attitude. Yeah. My first show, I came out, just blew the competition away, and I didn't even make first call-outs. Yeah. And the crowd went – and this was in the early, the early showings – the crowd was freaking out and booing so much because it was that dramatic. And then in the evening, they hopped me all the way up to four, which oh, you rarely did. see
2: that. They's, oh, wow. Yes. You weren't even on the first call out. Wasn't
3: even on the first call out. Wow. Everybody freaked out because yeah. I was like so, so more shredded than everybody. And look, yeah. it was not even close and they they all the booing and stuff went on yeah. and then when i get i come out the in the evening show they jump me all the way from like 6th or 7th all the way up to 4th place yeah, but that doesn't
2: happen very often
3: put me at 4th which keeps me out of qualifying for national ah. so i still have to do another show which was like that was my first taste of it yeah, i was like oh, I, okay <laughs> see how it this is works.
2: it's so true and I, 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 I and i actually had some politics behind me. like i had big bigbodybuilding.com and optimum nutrition but again it was specifically like this management group that since then they did away with it pretty soon after that because people started kind of looking into it. And again, like, I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh, I was the best on the stage, I, but it definitely wasn't the people who were, there were some people that got, you know, eighth. I think the guy who got seventh was just in amazing shape and I thought he should have won it, but it was interesting. And I quickly realized after that, that I was like, Okay, competing is not going to be my end all be all. Like I'm not going to just be Mm-mm. an IFBB pro competitor. Like you're not going to see it in my bio, like yeah, type yeah. of a thing where I'm not going to just ride my coattails on that. And so like I still would compete, you know, every now and then. But I quickly found like I just I don't like the idea. I just again of of it's
0: got to be steroids. a hard transition for an athlete because if you play a sport like you win, I mean most yeah. sports, right? You Black win or white. you lose, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's some, you know, judging with the, with the refs, but usually you win or you lose. Yeah. It's so subjective. Yeah.
2: It's like, you look better than you do. It's really not even a a, sport. I I don't, I don't, I don't don't really count it as a sport. It's like, it's like an art show. It's like, Oh Blue Ribbon to you. So we like your... The, yeah. most,
3: the most sport about it is the, the I think... It's the training. The yeah. training yep. and the dieting part. The yeah. nutrition. The it. actual yeah, event disappoint. is not... There's nothing sport about the event, right? But Which was
2: so weird why guys backstage would get weird. Like, they'd <laughs> like just like... There was like this weird like... <laughs> like like. And some of the competitors like would talk... Like peacocking you? Yeah, well, yeah. they would talk like not even not even when I was doing it, but even afterwards, like at these press conferences where they talk shit and at the IFBB, I think, loved it. But it was like... You guys aren't actually doing anything <laughs> against each other. You're just going to stand up there and flex. Like there is zero competitiveness that needs to be going on here. So it was always interesting. That's to hilarious. Me.
0: I like that you talked about um, how strong you were as a kid, because I think a lot of people attribute um, people's success with their physiques to the drugs or the steroids, yeah. but uh, the genetics play a much larger yeah, role. Yeah. Like right now you got low testosterone yeah. off everything. And you look more fit than most people who work out uh, for for years and years. So, and I want to say that because people listen are like, oh, that's yeah. it doesn't play the the role that people think.
2: Yeah, I def. I mean, I always say this to to people when I meet them at expos, like when they're like, oh, I want to be Mr. Olympia, I want to do this or that, and I'm like, hey, don't necessarily hang your your hat on a title, because I'll, I'll be honest, some of the most lonely times I ever had was after I'd won a show, and then I was like, okay, I don't have any goals, what now? And so I was like, you know, like have goals, but don't you know, this winning or losing type thing, because ultimately there's gonna be a Phil Heath who's just a genetic freak. Like mm-hmm. you might train your ass off. You might train harder than him, but Usain Bolt, he could not train for a year and he's still gonna beat us all in a hundred meter dash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like th- there is a huge genetic component that comes into anything. When you get it to that that level, that top level of anything, yeah. usually genetics yeah. and hard work end up pulling through. Did yeah. you see that
3: too in football where you hit that sort of oh, genetic yes. freak level where yep. you're like, dude, there's a whole
2: another yep. level here. Yeah. No, yeah. I was I was like, yeah, you know, I was captain on the team. I was 6'1, 230. Like I I had a really good bench press, but you're at a different category when you start talking an NFL outside linebacker. You gotta be six you remember the first time you got hit yep. by someone in college and you're like,
0: like, oh what the hell?
2: Yeah. No, I yeah. just remember the speed of the game. Speed. So we yeah. had two guys I, I played at a junior college for one year and we had two guys that were kind of D1 dropouts that had to come back to junior college. Wow. One of them ended up going on to USC and blocking for Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert and then playing for the Cardinals. And this was the biggest human being in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'd ever seen in my life. He was Deuce Latouille was his name. And you could see like his face touched his face mask. They had to like, order a special helmet for him, but he he was, he ended up getting like a uh, fine. He played for the Cardinals and then Seattle, but he like couldn't keep under like 400 pounds. He was massive, but he could move too. And he, there was a we were doing ones-on-one scrimmage, and he just there was a pulling, and I didn't see him, and I just got ear holding. I swear I was in the air for like three seconds. It felt like eternity, and I just got up and I was like, well, oh, "What there happened?" He is. Oh
0: yeah, that's a big pull. Oh, wow, yeah.
2: do some deuce made like a size eight hat just looked tiny like a, like a oh, monkey funny. like it just was like <laughs> he made it he made it like those little hats that those
3: i mean i think a perfect example is, is if you ever watched the series i love the series on netflix the last chance U, yeah. Where you yeah get all the like yep. d1 guys that were dropouts didn't do their, yes. their classes what happens when you put them all together and crazy. it they just destroy everybody yeah it's it like, is
2: <laughs> it's it's wild it is it's yeah we had another defensive end that ended up going to oklahoma so you just you got those freaks and i quickly realized it was like hey i'm good i'm not great and yeah It'd be great to go to that level. Yeah. So.
0: When did you? When did your business really start taking off? Because you're doing this, you're going to expos. Yeah. Yeah. Were you um, vlogging
2: at that same time? So I started vlogging when I when I started doing the expos. What I, was?
0: The, what made you start doing that?
2: So there was a girl. So I, I'd now been divorced. There was a girl I was dating at the time whose brother was like YouTube royalty. And oh, really? His, his name was Shay Carl, um, and he he started started the Shaytards, and like so he was. He, he's an LDS guy. I think that he like literally just vlogged his life every day for like seven years. Oh wow. He vlogged.
3: Bro, this is like before the Casey Neistat. And like... Casey
2: actually collabed with him and talks about how, how Shay was like Kate, one of Casey's people that he looked into. Wow. to. So like, Oh wow. He was an OG and he maker studio. Have you guys ever heard of maker studio, Oh, is that him right there? That's Shay. Yeah. Okay. He looks familiar though. He's super, hmm. you know, great, great personality. He's been through some things I think in the last couple of years, but um. Yeah. I just. I just remember seeing how what he was doing and Maker Studio. He was one of the founders of. They ended up selling to Disney for like four hundred mil. Oh wow! Oh, wow! So I quickly Whoa. like he, they didn't sell at the time, but he was making great money living in L.A. He was from Idaho, so I was like, oh, no one's really doing this in the fitness space. There's a couple, Mike, Mike Chang, six pack abs. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, there was one other guy. What was his Scooby? name? Scott. uh, Scott Herman.
3: Oh, Scott goes oh, that far back.
2: He goes back scott like maybe not mike chang days but scott herman was one of the first i knew he went back i didn't know
3: he went that far yeah no scott
2: herman was and then you had like rob riches kind of in that in that time period but that's when i kind of started vlogging so you're like oh this is an opportunity here yeah i was just like you know what i'm i'm kind of seeing cool places i'm putting it on social media already there's some vlogs that kind of worked its way into like the how-to videos did it feel natural
3: for you or did it feel like there was a a hard learning curve for you would you feel like it
2: it honestly felt pretty natural, probably only because I I, I had done enough camera stuff with Optimum and bodybuilding.com and then cell phones at the day like selfies were huge and things yeah. like that. So uh, it never felt awkward. People have talked about that like I can't vlog because I just can't get in. I never. You're a bit anything. of
3: an anomaly, in my opinion. I feel so. We've had an opportunity now in the last eight years to talk to a lot of different people that have you know are popular on YouTube or social media, and more often than not the people that are like you, I think are, have social skills and like, and have personality and some mm. like of that actually don't do very well on YouTube. The people that are more introverted yeah. Yeah. and, and are, they
2: become a character. Yes. On YouTube. Yes.
3: They yes. are the ones that are the, and that's We're what we've experienced. It's like, I, I trip out it, well, not anymore. Cause it's happened so many times, but we'll get this, you know, 2 million YouTube followers. Yeah. They, I meet yeah. them and they can't make eye contact. No. They're quiet. No. They're awkward. And you're like, whoa, this is like a different kid. Yeah.
2: So, so true. You're not I, like that. You... I, I, yeah, I've met so many. Same thing. Shay wasn't like that either. Shay, Shay was like gregarious, outgoing, very personal. And I just kind of watch him. Like, So I kind of picked up YouTube stuff from him. In person, when I'd meet people, I kind of always modeled that off of Jamie Eason, bodybuilding.com. Oh, right. She was kind of like, I would see her at expos and she was always like, hi, my name is Jamie. When people would wait in line for her. Like they know who you are, but she would introduce herself. And I always thought that like resonated with people. It was always like, Hey, you you know, she was a real person. She introduced herself just like you would meeting someone for the first time. I was like, if anyone ever waits in line for me, I want to be like Jamie. Mm. So that's kind of where I picked up at. But Shay online, like, or on, on YouTube, he'd have his weird little camera. And he just, he would turn into like Shay to 10 out of 10 volume. Like that was what it was like. It was like, he would just turn up his personality. And so. I kind of just picked that up off of him. Yeah, I think I'd seen it enough people do it or been around it yeah. and been in other people's videos at the time that it was kind of like, okay, just just talk about where you're at, talk to people, show people, ask people questions on camera, things like that. Did
0: you did you have a like a staff or team? No. edit things for. It was all you?
2: Uh, no, I, I quickly got a videographer because okay. I saw like Shay had a videographer because editing, it wasn't my mm. definitely wasn't my forte, but that was when. You know, Instagram had just kind of started. YouTube, you know, was still just kind of a a weird thing that, you know, people would watch, but it wasn't like today where, like, kids want to be YouTubers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So weird.
3: Now, you look back, and especially today, right, we have this, because you started before, like, this super popular cancel culture. Do you look back, and are there things that, you like, you regretted or that you've gotten shit for? You're like, God, I wish I probably wouldn't have put that out there. Like,
2: I'm probably – I was probably more conservative then or in terms of what I would say than I am now. Oh, interesting. And I feel like I'm now more awkward on camera now too. It's like weird. Like I've (laughs) gone through this change where I'm like, I now, maybe I'm just out of practice, but I now don't like vlogging as much. I don't like even posting on social media as much. It's just one of those things I feel like. In COVID and stuff, I just, I kind of got away from doing it. And I, I feel like now I, I, I'm having a harder time getting back to it. Do you
3: feel like it. maybe too, it's partly, I mean, I think kind of your age where yeah. you're at in your life. Yeah. I mean, you and I talked on the phone a, a while back. And I remember you kind of sharing that with me. Yeah. Like, I think you just get to a place in your life where just like, okay, do I really want to have to do this?
2: Yeah. I don't want to try to do like a viral TikTok dance necessarily. <laughs> like if, if we're having fun and you know, where something comes about organically, but I, I, I know I knew social media had changed when, or, or or how maybe how important it seemed like it was to people when you would see these bodybuilders at expos, like they were you could tell they were just waiting for their next meal, signing things. Now they're doing TikTok dance. Like you got full on big bodybuilders or <laughs> oh, world's no. strongest men. And it just shows you like in order to get paid, you gotta play that game of social media. And again, it's it's a double edged sword. Yeah.
3: Do you remember like that that the trajectory of that too, as far as like as it was coming up, it was so much fun, you loved it. Yeah.
2: And then what was the And I was kind of, to your point, Mm -hmm. I never felt like it was work. I was just like, I'm out here just creating content, showing people what I'm doing. I'm having fun. I'm in all of these different places. And then I feel like it's become work, I would say, in the last couple of years because I I feel like it's kind of just redundant. I see the same thing. I don't like it. It's new. It's exciting because you haven't done it before. But doing a how to train biceps for the seventh time on YouTube is, it gets old. So it's kind of like, okay, let's, how do we, you know, and that you either get deeper into the science of things, which there is an audience for, I think. Um, and that's that's kind of like, as I get older, I'm like, kind of, do I want to go more of that route? But I think it's it's hard because, again, like there's, I always called the, the I've, I've said this before on another podcast, the applesauce and like the, the shit you get in the applesauce, the kid's food. Like when you're a kid, you have to get them applesauce, but then you have to get them peas and carrots cut up inside, like the baby food. And I always feel like that's on social media, there's shirt off, sexiness, like yep. selling that, that's the applesauce. But then hopefully you have some peas and carrots behind it or else it. people are just going to end up, you know, moving on yeah, to the next. Good person. example
0: of what he says, our friend, Ben Greenfield, he started in, you know, kind of health and fitness. And then his podcast started getting more he, in this. He talks about this. He had to get more and more granular and more science based. Yeah. And then for himself, you're done. At some point you hit like all the topics and then you got to get deeper and weirder and deeper yeah. and weirder. Um, so that kind of ends the whole, like, take your shirt off flex type of deal. That's got a shelf life in my opinion. Oh Um, we were lucky because we just worked with everyday average people. That's what we always did. Uh, And so that's endless. It's endless to find different ways of communicating fitness and health in ways that can resonate with non-fitness fanatics, just the average person. So that's what we've been able to do. Have you thought like where you want to kind of move? Okay.
2: Yeah. So like after the biggest loser, so I was the coach on the biggest loser the last season and it was a good experience in like. I was super hesitant to go on the show because of kind of the past that they had had and how like, well, go into detail. What do you mean? Well, you know, we're talking about cancel culture. Like I think one of the good things kind of like this, this, what they were doing early on in the biggest loser was pretty, I think, brutal. Yeah, the, yeah. the crash, it was all about losing weight. Yeah. And I kind of went into this idea. Like I even told them like, Hey, if you guys, their big thing was we're rebranding the show. We want to do it healthy. We had a doctor on staff. And they just assured me like, hey, we're going to do this the healthiest that we can do. All of these people are kind of this last ditch effort. They've tried other things. They're in desperate spots. They could stay home and try to get a trainer, try to get other people to help them lose weight. They've tried that before. Their their idea of coming on this show, being immersed 24 hours into this, they had their phones taken away. And there are some good parts of the show. There are some parts that I really struggled with basically the TV aspect of things I couldn't see my contestants. I didn't think we had enough support with off air cameras because they wanted to capture all of our interactions. If we had an interaction, they wanted to be on camera. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fine. If you want to run 20, you know, 24 hours a day, but if we only have bandwidth for three hours a day, Who's going to be there looking after him, training, doing other things for the rest of the time if I can't be there? So you weren't even allowed to talk to them on the camera? No. Oh. Like, it was a lot of times we weren't. Sometimes oh, wow. we were. A lot of times we weren't. They want, like, if we were talking nutrition, we were talking emotional stuff. Like, they wanted that camera right right, right there. I did see, though, again, blood work-wise, markers, people that were pre-diabetic at the show, they were no longer pre-diabetic, things like that. So I do feel like, again, 50% of anyone, of any population when you look at when they lose a lot of weight, 50% are gonna gain it right back. Right. Biggest loser was no different than that. 50% right. are gonna gain it right back. But I kind of I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to get back to training people. It's like I, it'd been years since I'd actually trained people, you know, I would train people at at expos, you know, a seminar, but to work with somebody again. And the rewarding aspect of that way cooler than anything like Have you ever worked with anybody like that
0: because you're you're you i'm assuming there's a bit of a self-selection bias when you're working with people at expos and you know they're they're like somewhat fitness people they've worked out before hey i want to get shredded i want to lose 15 pounds but on the biggest loser you're getting like people who have serious obese uh, yeah and challenges like challenge really really hard relationships with food and their bodies had you ever worked with anybody like that before um not to the extent that we did. Were you, you surprised know. by anything? Was it was it like did you expect something and then get something else? Or
2: I I, I think I was su- surprised only in that like everyone has a unique story. Like yeah. there's the the stories that you hear of real trauma in people's life, people blaming themselves for deaths of loved ones, or um, but then at at the same time when you get them the help that they need, like again we had a, a psychologist, we had a dietitian a lot of it wasn't in my wheelhouse, like I can't deal with someone's trauma, but working through that, um, as you start pulling back excuses, I don't, you know, not the trauma part, but other excuses, you realize it's, there's a little bit of us that you can see where it's like, hey, These are just things you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get past together. We're we're here. We're able to help you out, but it's no different than what the person who's 30 pounds overweight is dealing with. These people just had some other circumstances that led to even more weight gain. Could be hormone issues, thyroid issues, but most of the time it was trauma.
0: Yeah. So did you? You said it was very meaningful for you. It was
2: crazy how it it took so much. Like it was a lot of work being, you know, there immersed in it. But I think that it was probably working and some of the most memorable interactions were in like people were leaving like, and they, you saw how devastated it was. Cause they're like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with life going back yeah. without someone. They were, they were so scared. Mm-hmm. Um, And I remember one of the first episodes, big Rob, Um, he was a guy that played college football, probably 400 pounds, six, eight. So he knew how to work, but like, he just had these knees that were, you know, he had mm-hmm. bad, bad knees for how big he was. And I think I, I felt like I had let him down because we didn't get him, to move on to the next, you know, he, he was, he was off the show after that week. And I felt like, I was like, man, if we could have just lost but he ended up going on and losing like 90 pounds over the course of the oh, next great. year and a half. So
0: did you ever have, I remember going through this. and I think this is common with a lot of trainers where there's this like realization at some point where, cause at first you think, well, they just got to do this. They just yep. got to do that. And it's just, yep. you just got to do it. But then there's this realization that's like, they're not, they're not like me. Like, I love this. This yep. is what it's so obviously I do this for a living. This is a regular person. This is not their favorite thing in the world to do. Uh, This is going to take a lot more effort and work on my part. Did you ever have that
2: realization? We're like, okay, this is mind blowing. Okay. I remember there was a workout where we're one of the first workouts and she felt like she was having a heart attack. I'm like, that's just your heart beating fast. That's just what happens when we, we do cardio. Like you're on the treadmill right now. She was legit freaking out thinking like there was something massively wrong with her. And there was, she had just never felt, she'd never done a sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the most exercise she probably got was walking up stairs and she was literally afraid for her life doing cardio. And it was just like, that's crazy, wild, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember
3: the first time having someone like that, like do uh, like bicep curls with dumbbells, <laughs> and the and then the burning, yeah, so drop yeah. them right, drop yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, my muscles are burning, like whoa, like it's that's freaky,
2: wild, yeah. and then, then the soreness the next day, they're yeah. like, yeah, it's, yeah, you it's, hurt it's me, crazy. you hurt me yesterday. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. crazy,
0: the crazy part about it is that they're uh, the relationship that they have with that kind of pain. They don't have that, yeah. rela- whereas you're an athlete, you know what it feels like yeah. to hurt, and it feels like there's a good hurt and there's a bad hurt. They just don't. They don't know that. So it's a huge hurdle for a lot of people, and I think a lot of coaches and trainers don't understand that yeah. until you work with like yeah. someone like that. You know, I remember I get questions like, "Where am I supposed to feel this?" I'm like, "What?" Yeah, like you're doing a tricep press down. What do right. you mean, are you supposed to feel this? It always kind of you know blew me away. Was there was there a, a, a struggle because it's obviously look? I know you're saying that you went into it and you're trying to do it the healthiest way possible. Yeah, um, and I I percent 100 believe you. Um, but it's still a show. Yep, it's still a show. It's still entertainment. It can't right. be like you would do it in real life. One thousand. Because if you do it the way, yeah, the right the way. To do, yeah, the right way to do it in real life would be super boring. There'd be no way you'd make exactly. that into a show.
2: Yeah, it was you, still a game show at the end. Like there was a winner at the end of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have any struggles with that? All the time. Okay. The first week, I about walked off. Really. I was I was so done. They ended up bringing in actually a new producer because the producer was that was there was freaking out because people weren't losing weight fast enough. And I just, and he was there on previous shows and I just lost it. I, I was ready to go home. I was like, I'm not doing this. If, if this is what you want, if you're going to get, sit here and talk to us about how these, you're not seeing big enough numbers, I'm done. Because I'm like, I thought you wanted to do something different. We're not going to see crazy wow. numbers. And so it was, there was a real struggle. And again, like I, I didn't want to be, I'd never done TV before. It was like 150 people on set. It was kind of slow moving again, like hurry up and wait all the time. And, and I've often thought like, Hey, give me, you know, three people and, and, and you, a YouTube camera. And like, we can make some, some real changes, but our, and this is kind of what I've, we've done lately with fitness culture, the app company that we have, we just took a client on like six months ago, successful guy, 33 years old, built a super successful business, kind of was a single, single dad. And some of the things he'd been dealing with in life. And it just was 60 pounds overweight. Like, Still a decent athlete, but working with him, able to do it slow. I was like, "Hey, this mm. is this is a lot better." I could see how you know he he actually gained some muscle while he lost body fat, while he lost weight even. And it was like, "Okay, if I if I could do this with YouTube, like the Biggest Loser s type thing mm-hmm. um, again." But people people on TV wanted to see that hundred pounds in Course. 12 weeks.
3: Well, we so. talked about that. We talked about doing that. Remember when we first started our yeah. YouTube channel about making a Biggest solution, right? But the reason why we never did is because we know it wouldn't be entertaining enough. Yeah. yeah. Be too It'd be many, like a year long. would so be too, too long, many, many like weeks of no weight loss, no yeah. nothing, just staying the same.
2: Like I mean, just, it's taken six, seven months for, for this gentleman to lose 57 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you do the math. On and that's that, actually relatively fast. Yeah. It's it, Seven months. And But again, he was a guy who no injuries, crazy mobility for a guy that was, I would always say, you're not fat, you're just deconditioned. Because the minute he got back in, Mm. the minute he got back into shape, like he he didn't have these injuries. He didn't have mobility issues. He was able to do a lunge, a deep squat. And so we were able to to, to lose it fairly quickly. And for him, it was a lot of diet stuff too. But it was like on the show, it's yeah, you're not, you don't have the luxury of being like, Hey, you lost four pounds this week. That's great. You're like, you lost four pounds this week. You got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: insane. So, so you, you know, you, you had some popularity on YouTube and I, I would say, especially then, and even now, more flexibility to say what you want, be yourself. Then you go on, uh, I guess like network TV, yeah. which is much more produced, much more controlled. Uh, did you feel like there was a big difference and did you notice, uh, afterwards, a huge spike in recognition from it, or were you already so well known before that? Did make
3: well, that you big double? Didn't you double in size? I think you were from
2: the Biggest Loser. Yeah. Oh, no. at that time, Biggest Loser didn't do anything for growth. Oh shit! Really? It didn't do any. Like if you look, because you were already so. Yeah. If you yeah. look back, yeah, I my, know you were already well my, over a million people. Yeah. No, plantation. Biggest Loser. I actually, I think, I, I and I was kind of expecting that from an outsider, thinking, oh, like this will be a whole new demographic, completely different demographic. Like you have your the people that watch the Biggest Loser, uh, mostly female. And a little bit older, right? My demographic is younger males. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it necessarily, it actually kind of, I think, alienated me a little bit from the bodybuilding community. They're like, Steve, we don't want to see you posting about overweight people. Like it was interesting because that's interesting. Yeah. It was interesting because those guys, I think that followed you for the shirt off, you know, like inspiration stuff, not interested in that. They weren't interested in that. So it actually, I don't know if it was, you know, I gained some followers and lost some followers, but. Um, Kind of the long run. It was it was a wash. If anything, there was probably some brand brands out there. They're like, oh, you have some credibility in doing a actual television show that liked it, but nothing that was life changing. And I didn't really think it was going to be because it wasn't on. It wasn't on an NBC or it was on USA, which again, still a popular mm-hmm. network, but not the same as Prime I did not,
3: television. I did not think that at all. I assume that you probably got double.
0: Oh. Wow. It's an interesting time, right? Because what were the average, do you know how many viewers would watch a they typical never episode? Really,
2: yeah. They never really, they talked about like what it was before, like when we were in there, like, Hey, this is the legacy you guys have sure. up to live up to type of a thing, but they never really talked about it. It kind of, I think because it wasn't as dramatic, it wasn't as drastic, there wasn't, you know, Jillian Michaels yelling and screaming at people. Again, like you were saying, mm. it was a little bit more boring to the people that had seen The Biggest Loser before.
0: Plus, I feel like we're in this time now, because you're relatively close to our age, where for us, like, I mean, even now, like if I'm on a newspaper, not, they don't exist anymore, but if let's say I was on a newspaper, <laughs> that would feel like more of a big deal, because yeah. when I was a kid, that was a big deal, even, although now yeah. it's nothing at all. Magazines are the same. Thing. Yeah, so exactly um, where you know, network TV feels like it's this big deal, but I bet you probably get more eyes on you on like an Instagram yeah. live or reel or something yeah. than you would on something like that. You know, yeah, so
3: that's probably that's,
2: why it was more of a wash. And I think that's probably why they were. I did not.
3: Like, I
0: just assumed
3: that you would get, regardless. I still would have thought you would have got way more eyeballs yeah. and traction. And so did so? Did they even pay very well? Because I would think they tried to leverage the. It the, didn't.
2: It didn't pay bad. I remember thinking, oh, that that was like, you know, I think it was 200000 Oh, okay. So, it wasn't great. I yeah. I for me, it was like, okay, if I stayed home and really worked on, you know, the app and things like that, like, it wasn't life-changing or anything. But at the same time, it was like, there was some opportunity cost, though, because I had to be on set for, you know, 10 weeks. So, you couldn't do other stuff, basically. Couldn't, yeah, there was zero. I think I had one day off in that eight weeks. And that was the the thing that a lot of people we did have weekends with them where we, you know, we would, we would go do hikes and things like that. And that was mm-hmm. the only time the cameras weren't there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, again, it was an experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would go back and do it again. And I always say to those people that again, like, Oh, this is, this is so unhealthy. I say, again, if this is your, are, are there better ways of doing it? Absolutely. But when you're, if you gave those contestants, looking back, if you said, Hey, you can not go on the show or you can do it again. Would they do it again? I think they would just because of what they learned from it. Like, again, it was, we talked, we would sit down and my big thing was like, I want to tell them how to lose weight. Like I want to, let's talk about macronutrients. Like they're, they're, they're sitting here. And I remember one contestant, they actually had in-house people that lived with them to make sure that they were eating enough. So it was like, you have to drink when you weigh in, you can't be dehydrated. Um, very got different of, from that, early days yeah, yes. that, that mm-hmm. became a strategy yes it? there was all these gaming they, they, they would like yeah. game the Hold system water yeah. drop water yeah. or uh, yeah like even diuretics wow. I think was one of the things I, I can't say for sure that one of the earlier trainers had done was you know like if you take mm. this you'll oh wow and so there was there was none of that that went on this time and again like I I I felt like at the end of the day it was it was something that they did get healthier on.
3: Is there an incentive for you guys to win?
2: Not like, at all. So it's no. just straight and, up. And my my guy didn't win. Her the the guy that won uh, was on the other team. But I think after a while, there's no teams like on our our season. So
3: there is no. In. There's like it doesn't matter. You got paid the same regardless yeah, if yeah, they win or lose. No at that.
2: incentive. Obviously, the winner, the person who won, they got. I don't know. It wasn't money. I think it was. Uh, you know treadmills from planet fitness and things like that and i just yeah i just remember thinking um yeah that there would probably be more of a prize for Mm. winning are you
0: are you at a point now where you're because you were you know you have all this popularity lots of young men following you for the bodybuilding type stuff then Mm. you do biggest loser different demographic, more maybe middle-aged women. We'll call it the more the
2: Facebook crowd. Than there you the go. Instagram crowd. There you go. Now, <laughs> mm. are
0: you looking at, are you at a place where you feel like, okay, like, where am I going to go with this? Am I going to rebrand? Am I going to talk more about these other things that seem more interesting yeah. to me
2: or take this in a, Are you at, finding yourself in that space? Definitely. And at, at the same time, I kind of found my space, my, myself in that space. It was also right around the same time COVID hit mm. my wife, who's not my wife at the time. She was in Australia kind of didn't see each other for 10 months. Then we ended up just being like, Hey, Australia wasn't going to let her out. She had to have a reason to leave the country. We both were with Jim shark. So she was able to finally get out of the country. What we met in Dubai and the only, she could come into the U.S., I S I couldn't get into Australia. So we just, we traveled for eight months and that was so that you can meet up. Yeah. Wow. So we, would, we did Dubai, Maldives, Spain, and we took a videographer so we could still create content good and bad. Like once in a lifetime opportunity, not great for business. It was, you know, I had my business partner on the app that I was still doing content for, but you weren't doing any meetups, obviously, with COVID. That was a big part of, I felt like, um, the things I enjoyed, that interaction, that human connection, Uh, you didn't have that. And then also, I think it was just one of those things that kind of you felt the world kind of. You know, mm, very polarized. Oh yeah. yeah, more than ever. My yeah. entire
3: life, I feel we're more divided today than uh, yeah.
2: ever have. And that was hard for me. Again, it was like it was kind of like you know, at the, at the kitchen table, I can get on Twitter and I can debate like Jordan, LeBron. You get me on yeah. started on that, and I'll and I'll go back and forth. I think it's hard though because I can no emotional connection to it. Like at the dinner yeah. table, growing up, we're we're all just arguing the other side for the sake of argument. On Twitter, people get so yeah. offended. It's their identity.
0: Yeah. It's their identity and their, their religion, which is kind of weird. Yeah. So that was kind of, and I think that was a moment for a lot of people like that were like, well, oh, let me examine my life. Where am I going with this? What do I want to do? Mm.
2: Did you, what did you come out out of that with? I think so two things there was our, with, with fitness culture coming back to working with people like the guy we just worked with getting back to doing some hands-on stuff. Cause I mm. think if you don't use it, you'll lose it type mm-hmm. of thing. So getting back to the nuts and bolts of training, rather than just traveling the world, getting very surface level stuff. I think actually getting hands dirty again, going back, educating. So I've thought about going back to school. We want to have a family. We just settled down in in St. George, Utah. And I think really getting very upfront and kind of uh, the nitty gritty on as I get older, what does TRT look like? What does actual health look like? What am I going through that I can then just be open and talk to people about um, whether it's training, whether it's, um, you know, mental health and things like that. So we have the app um, supplements. We actually, I launched a supplement brand during okay. COVID and it was, <laughs> was bad. Good. Yeah. Bad time to <laughs> launch. So, Cause again, we, there was zero meetups. And also I was traveling for eight months. Didn't try getting supplements in the Maldives. Not going to happen. So um, kind of a interesting time with what what do I want to do with that. If I, if I'm passionate enough to go just really, really deep into the supplement world, Um, because I do feel like a lot of supplements out there right now, are, it's not, it's not like we used to have four big supplement or five big supplement brands. There's, you know, there's enough out there that is like how different or how great Mm -hmm. of products are you, are you able to do if, Basically, everyone's using the same sourcing.
3: Well, especially since you, I know you, I've heard you talk about before. You're kind of like how we are with supplements, which is there's like a core four things yeah. that are like, yep. you know, all the other stuff is bullshit. Right. And so if you're not, and that's and unfortunately where the money is at, isn't all the bullshit.
2: Right. The you margins cute are cute with pre-workout and things like that. But at the end of the day, people want some caffeine, some kind of focus ingredient. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, for, a good, and for a good price. Right. Yeah, so yeah, and tastes good, right? Have you
0: thought about doing um, long-form media? Because uh, talking to you, and when I do hear you get a little deeper, you're smart. You're a smart dude, and a lot of I don't want to, you know, it's going to sound like an asshole. A lot of I don't know the fitness, you know, We're a little types light, not so much. Yeah. They look good, uh, but kind of light in the in the intelligence department, yeah. or communication department. Have you thought about long form?
2: I feel like I have a little bit of an imposter syndrome. I'm always like, Sigh. I don't know enough. I'm always kind of like. I don't want to just get out there and, and talk about things because I see guys, whether it's Huberman or whoever, that are experts on these fields. And I think I'm, I've always kind of been that a little bit too much of a perfectionist. Like I didn't want to turn something in that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Like, But at the same time, it's like you just have to kind of jump in and start swimming and, and figure out where that takes you. So I've thought about it. I, I think that whether it's sports or health stuff, I, I feel like there's always... There's always going to be a reason not to, but I would love, I think eventually to do a podcast where I live in St. George. It's not the easiest place to get in out of, but Vegas is only two hours away. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, podcast in Vegas or, and I would even like to, to do some, I just, I love the idea of being bad at something and then getting, getting good at it. Well, let me it.
0: ask you this, Steve, do mm-hmm. you have strong opinions? Very. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. This this is podcast. where you do it. This is where sure. you do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel like this is
3: your space. That's, probably, that's it. probably where his hesitancy is. Definitely not. Is yeah, Twitter. I know. I'm like, let's yeah. be honest. On on, and that probably
2: leads to like, you know, brands that you work with and stuff. Yeah. It's aligning yourself with people that aren't going to be, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, during COVID, I did some deep dive into, I just remember everyone was posting black squares and I'm like, oh, I want to be a part of this. Like racism is bad. We need to get on top of that. But then as I started researching a little bit more into Black Lives Matter, the organization, yeah, the Marxist organization, totally a different thing. <laughs> right. And people, I think early on when I like I remember my sister who we're not probably aligned on the political spectrum, I was like, "You know, go check out their website." She's like, "It's an action it's not an organization, Steve, it's just a movement." I'm like, "No, you're wrong." Like so many people didn't realize that yeah. And so I, I think that again we get caught up in headlines and clickbait you know mm-hmm. getting back to YouTube that's all the news is these days is what, what's the most You know
3: clickbait? we got heat for not put, posting Black Squares initially but I think that you know if you if you believe and you stick to your your guns and you have integrity uh, eventually that stuff all comes around you know so yeah.
0: we we Now up. it seems obvious when you see the the reports of the you know the leaders of the Isn't it you weird? know coming out just yeah. they spent money on crazy yep. stuff and they it was basically just a big by the organization, yes, the big money. The grant, organization, and, and that's
2: taking advantage yeah, of people who want to do the right thing. Definitely taking advantage. So much of that, and that's where I like t- Tony Dungy. I'm a huge fan of Tony Dungy. Read his books, and like so when I there's people in that community, in the black community that I, I would definitely try to like. I want to listen to and hear. I I I, I don't you know I, I'm not African American. I don't know what it's like, but hearing them, hearing people that I, I follow, and I have my beliefs. In, in terms, of, I would say, like even religion and and how conservative I am, I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm right wing. I'm more in the middle, I feel like. But to a lot of people probably would see like, oh, you're a, you're you know, you're such a Republican. I'm like, I feel like I'm more of a libertarian. But but it was again, I would look at people in that space that I looked up to that I had my kind of my morals that align with them. And I would listen to what they were saying on those types of things. I didn't want to just jump into something because everyone else was doing it. Do you think um, it's funny because
0: uh, during that whole time during COVID, the insanity, and and it really was crazy. um, Some of the loudest voices came from the health and fitness space, partially because I think we're, um, uh, you know, we, we take control of our own health. Yeah. You tend to, here's my belief. I'd love your opinion on this. Uh, When you work out and you train, you feel more autonomous. It's harder to manipulate you because you're more, you feel more in control. You feel Mm. like you have more, you're more empowered. Do you feel like fitness tends to make people have those beliefs that tend to be more libertarian, which is like, hey, look, respect others, but also respect me. Yeah. Let me do my thing. I'll let you do your thing. Just don't hurt anybody. Don't steal from anybody.
2: I I definitely, even in the fitness community, saw kind of a, it was polarizing even in the fitness community. The majority of people I think kind of were more of the stance that you have, like, Hey, I'm going to do my own research. You have to convince me because I am the person that I like to know what I'm taking in my supplement ingredients or the food I'm putting in my body. I know exactly like, Hey, when you say hydrogenated oil on that label, or when you say modified cornstarch, that's not good for me. You're trying to sneak it in there. I'm not believing you. Same thing kind of goes with, with, with vaccines and things like, Hey, show me show me that where this is healthy but then you also i think you had some people that i really looked up to in the space that were scientific they were totally just jumping into it like oh no medically it's fine and things like that i'm like how do you know that and you were citing sources that were funded by people that Mm -hmm. had no business funding things and so again i think if if anything it just kind of Had to take a step back and be like, okay, I'm not going to agree with everyone on, on everything. And these are things that I can debate things, but when it's, I'm really passionate about my wife not being able to get into the country or me not being able to get there, all of a sudden it actually, there's, and and when you do that for, for, you know, a year and a half, there's some frustration. I think that, that ultimately probably boiled over at some point when I, I, you know, I, I think that I wasn't as, level-headed as I, as I could have been, because you're never going to change anyone's opinion by yelling at them with something. But I, I, I definitely thought I kind of sat back and thought, Hmm, it's interesting that that person who's talked about scientific mm-hmm. data all the time has this stance on weird. Yeah. Very, weird. very strange. How'd you meet your wife, by the way? At a Gymshark event. So oh, yeah, okay. we were in, in Sydney at a Gymshark event. Wow. So, yeah. And so
0: now you've been married for a year,
2: been married for yeah, a year yesterday. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Before, yeah. Thanks. And you want a big family? We only have like two kids. Okay, so yeah, she's she's younger. Yeah. I'm 38. She's 26, which I get oh, crap you can about. have way more than two then. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm gonna be that six year old dad <laughs> yeah, at football practice, soccer hey, practice. Hey man, I just hey, haven't hey, 44.
1: Hey, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that I'm 41 thing, man, and mine's yeah. young, so it's like <laughs> yeah. a,
3: I actually I think it's way way it's better to be an way dad. better yeah. to be, and I, that's not to knock on any young dads <sighs> out there stuff
0: like that. But imagine I, imagine when you were 25 as dad. Yeah, how like you know, just we don't really mature very quickly as as Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Your level of maturity,
3: your level of financial security, yeah. your calmness. Like, yeah. I mean, just the, there's a,
2: a whole host of things. That, that make patience you, factor, I feel like is something huge. that, yeah, I, my triggers a lot longer than it was when I was 25 in terms of just the frustration, like that. Yeah, definitely a, a longer fuse. Are so, you
0: guys aligned on how you'd want to raise your kids? Like with school I think for the most and, part, like
2: okay. the crazy thing about Australia is, you know, when we look at it, 26 million people, it's the size of the U S roughly in terms of land, but, Australia, it's always you know I might get crap for saying this. Australia thinks they're super diverse and stuff, and they're not. They're like they don't have the problems the U.S. has because I feel like most of Australia um, is pretty much a a single demographic. But I think the big thing that they have there is everyone feels like they're Australian. Hmm. It's like hey, do this for the betterment of your other your fellow Australian. Hmm. During COVID, that happened. There was never like they don't talk about politics over there. I think their quality of life is pretty good. They get up. Earliest out of any country in the world, or one of, and they go to bed earliest out of any country, and that know. might be where they're situated oh, in the world.
3: That's an interesting stat. I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: it, it is. And I and I think like Morgan, she goes to bed like nine. Her parents are eight thirty. It's just wild that the average person goes to bed. Now let I, me
3: speculate. Let's see. Can you, do you have any speculations on that? I ha- none. So I, I do. I have a speculate. My theory on that would be there's much more of an outdoorsy lifestyle yep. there, oh, well, and there the natural go. circadian rhythm of getting out in the sun, yep. and then it coming down. No, that's, and a, that's a good call.
2: I have there's two. I, yeah. That's 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 one half of it. Is that the sun's up at four thirty there? Even in the summertime, the latest the sun sunsets about seven. So like it's, they're, they're a little bit different, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with their circadian rhythms. The other thing is, I think that because business wise, the U S is midday by the time they wake up for business purposes, they're up earlier to get, I guess their work day going, Mm. but everything closes there at about 5. PM. Really? Every, like there's, and, and you don't have the level of, you have like McDonald's KFC Hungry Jack's Which is You know Burger King And then You have a, like A Guzman and Gomez Which is kind of A Chipotle style thing Other than that There's not Endless fast food Like most people Go home and cook Dinner there And I feel like If you're going to bed Earlier You're getting outside You're getting into the ocean Yeah And you're cooking Your own food Those are kind of Like the three things That if you can do that You're yeah. going to be Pretty healthy Those are big like. rocks
3: Do yeah. they ra- yeah. I mean, Where do they rank As far as health Do you know
0: where that is I don't know, do I, would, know? I would imagine top, top
2: ten I think yeah. out of the
0: Western nations are probably yeah. One of the better
2: ones Yeah. Mm-hmm. You Finland's got, you got the happiest the, place in the world. And I'm like, I got to go to Finland because I can't imagine being cold and dark I think also
0: the highest percentage of people on antidepressants. Maybe Doug can look that up, which is kind of weird. So, is, is
2: Australia? No, Finland. Oh, Finland. Yeah. That is wild.
0: Happiest, but also highest on, I think. I oh, might that be is totally like a wrong. Scandinavian mm. country thing.
2: Norway has the same thing. Maybe that's what, maybe it's yeah. one of the other countries. So, Which uh, is super I, interesting, yeah. but it's also, they're just not getting any vitamin D. They're not getting any sunlight. Totally. <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah. Australia is definitely like, for the most part, they still have obesity. You know, like they still have their own issues, but there's this, there's a lot of resources in terms of, it's, it's like California in the 1950s is kind of what I imagine it yeah. to be like is where there's. Beaches, you know, it's pretty lush, you know, for the most part. It's 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 good climate. People are outside doing things, but you don't have traffic, crime, and mm. you know, some other These are, large fitness
0: culture there. Massive.
2: Yeah. I and bodybuilding say. culture. Large bodybuilding, large fitness. And you look at it summer games wise, Australia has more medalists than any other country per capita. Yeah. So they do well in their sports that again, they just don't have a ton of people. That's right. Why not live there? We yeah. will eventually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. We will eventually. There's some things that I struggle with. It. It's not why we're not Is there it the now. The big spiders that we talked about. earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, Spine Morgan snakes and crocs. Like, uh, Morgan didn't have like air conditioning or heat in her house until like the last house she rented. It was just wild to me. It was what? just like I know. It was just like I went there the first the first uh, time I visited and stayed at her her house. It's like 80, we were sleeping. It was like 85 degrees and she was fine in it. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I'm (laughs) not sleeping in 85 and it's humid. It's like, you know, no thanks. But I think, you know, I I like the fact that, um, kind of weird. And I would say this to her because it was a penal colony. I feel like there's always been a group of people in Australia that have kind of controlled everyone else. (laughs) But like, that sounds super off. I'm going to get some serious hate for that. But I feel like there's a lot of this, like, Hey, do this do this do this and everyone in Australia is like yeah sounds good to me okay let's do that <laughs> yeah but um it, it is interesting i, I did i've read some books on how australia was started and it, it, you know it is kind of also like survival of the fittest like you had the the fastest probably you know there's some evolutionary stuff to why i think people are are you know they are who they are as a people in australia just from tough Tough sledding to one of
0: our there. one of our largest audiences uh, outside mm-hmm. the U.S. is Australia. Yeah, yeah, I'd say love it. I'd say either there or the U.K. very close. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: tie. yeah I'll fun. show you. You guys never been? No, no, I haven't.
0: But always, yeah, I always wanted to
3: go. Now that yeah. I mean,
2: they don't. It was weird. COVID there just like yeah. gone. Like in terms of they had all these rules and regulations. And then, well, they no had some of the hardest, strictest, had, yeah. harsh. And yeah. I think that they had a big switch
0: because people had enough, because they were just locked down for yeah. a while in some
2: places. Melbourne was the most locked down city in the world, I was told. Sydney was, and your wife there. was there during that time. So she, what happened with her? Yeah, she was. So she was in Brisbane, which wasn't as bad, but they okay. had like sections like it'd be like Oregon and California, Oregon like everything's open, California's not, or right. or you know Nevada and California. In her state, people from new South Wales couldn't come in. Like they, they kind of were like blocked off state by state and each state had different rules and wasn't letting in people from the other state in. So Hmm. kind of weird, but Brisbane uh, didn't have it. Like the people there were never locked down in like their homes. Um, I I know like my friends in Sydney, like they couldn't go more than five kilometers from their house. Like really weird, really weird. When we start like, again, from a fitness aspect, what are, what are things that are going to be just a health hazard, yeah. right? Like health. get out in the sun, move. Yeah. Don't uh, you, you stay
1: total inside. contradiction. Just, yeah, yeah, weird.
2: Yeah, I'm seeing now
0: studies that are coming out now that are um, showing that the the there was more harm than good in when you count uh, excess deaths, uh, mental illness. Yeah, um, and then displacement of people who are uh, you know it, it disenfranchised. So when you count all that, so you might have reduced infection, although. The data is showing that probably not, but you might have, but excess deaths were higher anyway because of all this other stuff that happened. And the harsher the, the policies, the worse right.
2: the outcome. And and to that point, I feel like so much of health is community. So much of like, you know, when you look at centurions, like people that live over 100 years old, yes. you have these blue zones in like Italy I think there's one in there's Okinawa, Sardinia, the seventh sister, Melinda, and there, and then it's like that just went away during COVID. You had grandma who was probably used to seeing her whole family, now she's locked down in a nursing care facility. What was her life expectancy? Steve, that was my so my
0: my grandparents were very close family. So I have a lot. we're, We're family of immigrants, and we're Italian, and. My grandparents, we were always there. My their their kids were there, their grandkids were there. And then when this all happened, everybody was scared. And so we isolated ourselves from them for I want to say four or five months mm. before we were like, this is not working anymore. But in that four or five month period, I saw my grandparents age like seven, it looked like seven years. Like I remember That's when crazy. I went to go see them. It's like, oh, they don't look good. Like yeah. they, their health declined so quickly in that short period of time. And yeah. it was a hundred percent because I mean, we were bringing them food and dropping it off the door yeah. and we were FaceTiming them, but it's, yeah. not, it's well, what's not the, the study? Same. What's
3: the study that you shared last year? What was the, the compared it to smoking cigarettes? Your re- yeah. the
0: relationship? Uh, poor relationships, like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, and I, I my grandma passed away during COVID. Again, she she wasn't great, but Morgan's grandma did as well. Again, people that they had other issues she didn't pass away from covid but it was that idea like where well, we she didn't see people she mm-hmm. didn't see her friends like how much does that play and you really you can't calculate that like oh, well okay. that ha- no they can the, they data, can. Is clear. the okay. data is
0: very clear on it they'll show you uh on the data
2: that loneliness is a but i'm saying like how, how do they know my grandma your grandma oh people no. like yeah they have no way of calculating those deaths because they're gonna chalk them up to you know like my grandma old had, age or something a like stroke that. or, or yeah, whatever yeah. but again a lot of that's compounded by the fact that totally you're alone. Totally. I felt like I aged five years during COVID, just the amount of stress and worry we went through trying to get Morgan into the country. She was detained in the U S actually why sent back. So when she got out of Australia, um, the first time in November of 2020, the on one of the stipulations on her getting out was that she wasn't going to come back for X four months or something. Like she had to be gone for at least three months when she got to the U S and she didn't have a return flight they're like, why are you here? Oh, my, my, my boyfriend's here. So they were like, Oh, you're under the wrong visa. You need a fiance visa. Like you're, you're here as an ESTA. You can't do that. You're, you're a high risk of staying here and, and not going back to your country. So she was detained, never allowed in for 14 hours, like phone taken from her, Whoa. put back on a flight. And then she had a quarantine. So each time she went back to Australia, she came the first time and we spent like three, three months in the U S she went back Quarantine for 14 days and this is in a hotel room 14 14 days. Yeah, no no outside air like it was just just a room like this a hotel room Um, so she had to do that three three different times in australia Ugh, And i'm just man. like I i'm like I think about that and that's probably why I think our relationship um, really Like I, I never I never was a guy that, that cried or got emotional about like my partner when I would talk about him but going through those kind of traumatic things like when we eventually got married, like I was a mess just because I think, you know, doing that kind of stuff, when someone gets detained and you don't know where they're at, like I was trying to, I was calling, figure, trying to figure out where they're at. And she's just in, you know, immigrant prison, essentially. It's, it's weird. Hmm, wow. Interesting. That would have uh, been scary as shit, yeah. dude. Do you find yourself now,
0: your, your views of health and fitness, uh, being more complete, more evolved than the way they used to? You're mentioning now loneliness yep. and, and relation, you know, relationships. Like
2: I didn't know that was important in my twenties. Right yeah definitely more empathetic i think for people that um have mental health stuff you know mental health whether it's depression or things like that and then also probably just more more overall kind of like hey you're not going to be and I, it, when you're young and when you're fit and you think this is how it's going to be forever you don't ever have any of these you know i think that was kind of a wake up call for all of us in covid like life has as kind of how you had it or you thought it would be it can change like that and so it's like that appreciation and i think you know when when someone dies mm-hmm. you you get that feeling for you know a couple of weeks i think i try to hold on to that with covid just thinking about the feelings and everything that you went through um when you didn't have you know just the weird day to day stuff that you would typically have with people has your training changed a lot um my training yeah definitely so i have a lower back um, issue that's always been an issue since college football. I remember working out with Thor Bjornson, strongest oh. man. I got off a plane in Sweden and like we just went over there. It was supposed to be this like light workout. Oh, I ended up like pring <laughs> world strongest man. He, yeah, he we did like Atlas stones and he. I just remember. He was trying to pump me up and like smacked me on the back twice. And like, I just thought every, like my, every cell in my body was like, what the fuck? (laughs) It was just, it was, it was a next level, but I couldn't move the neck. I couldn't stand up. Like we went to lunch afterwards and I was like, okay, that's, that's something happened. Yeah. It was just a a little bulging disc essentially that always happens now. Like I kind of throw it out and get a little bit of like nerve damage onto this right side. Um, so I, I flex this leg and I can see it. Other people can't, it's not quite the same. So it's always battling with that. I've had a couple of shots in it. So now I think I focus a lot more mobility, um, stability and mobility and being strong in, in certain areas. Like again, my, my back shouldn't move if my hips and, and glutes can do the work. Um, my lower back should be, and, and it used to be opposite. I was moving my back too much, but I think that my, my training is definitely less like falls to the wall like on a leg day, just push through pain type of a thing. And and now it's I would say like, hey, getting into the gym and even less less total number of sets, but quality of, of things. I always look at a clock when I train. I, I don't like just sitting in there and bullcrapping in between sessions. So um and then I probably train four days, maybe five, you know, I have a, a day that I can kind of go in and, and accessory body parts if I want, but more so the mobility. Have yeah.
3: you ever felt like rebelling and kind of shutting it all down for a while like going off social yeah not working out for a while And
2: i kind of felt like i did that a little bit in the last you know a couple like i i really didn't post if i didn't feel like posting yeah and like again if it wasn't fun i wasn't gonna post it and i think again this is i i just became kind of didn't 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 give a shit for lack of better words it was yeah. just one of those things i was like I, I don't care if i'm gonna get some heat from sponsors or whatnot i'm like i i need this kind of a reset type thing. Yeah. And, and also they not, I, I used to probably get a euphoric feeling when, oh my gosh, that just became my most liked post yeah. five, six years ago, quickly realized how toxic that is to put kind of your self-worth um, based upon if your self-worth is based upon how many followers you have and things like that. So I kind of just luckily having a big family, they keep you in check. Nobody else in my family cares about social media. They're all teachers <laughs> or, you know, nurses and real deal jobs. And I, I remember early on people were like, you do what? And you're able to make a living off of it. Like it was always just kind of this weird, like what's, what's Steve do? Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I get back to like, at the end of the day, I have no, I have no problem not posting Yeah, yeah. And, and just being like, yep.
3: What is the most, uh, profitable revenue stream for you? Is it the app? Our app yeah. yeah. Our yeah. fitness app. Is Tell me a bit, cause uh, a little bit of back, yep. Justin and I, before mind pump ever started, we were building an app together and ended up scratching that when mind pump took off bigger yep. and we burned a ton of money trying to build it. Yep. Tell me about your journey on that. I want to know one, how you, how you chose or decided to get a partnership with yep. somebody because you're such, you're such the face of the brand. And so if you got some sort of a split with somebody yep. that nobody really knows, so I want to know about that. And then just the whole startup of it, how much it cost to build something like yep. that, how long it took to be profitable
2: and that's that's so i i had my own web website like steve cook health you remember gregput.com Yep. yeah that was kind of like the gold standard for me i'm like oh i want to have my own website and then all of a sudden that became more app focused i think so i had a i had a website where i you know i'd get on we we uh I, I would have weekly conversations before like skype was ever a thing we'd get on um and we would go over people's trainings go over nutrition and um there was a Never, I never did any, like, hey, eat this, this, and this, and this. It was more just, like, a open forum questions. And then we would do um, – we would talk about training questions and things like that. I didn't even tell people – what because I had programs on bodybuilding.com, so we didn't even actually – it was a breach of contract if I would have had my own stuff at that time. It wasn't until the app where then my business partner, Jacob Hutton, he, he was a guy that – he was doing CrossFit stuff, so he – I think he was, I don't know if he ever did his thesis, but studying to get his master's was an assistant strength coach at a college in Utah. We played high school football together. He played college football, absolute beast. He was a CrossFit guy, but also had a bodybuilding slash athletic background. Um, so knew, knew his stuff. Knowledgeable. Had a, yeah. Had all sorts of different certs again, was a kinesiology uh, sports science guy. And so um, we started doing some programming He would kind of write the meat and potatoes of a strength phase. I would add, okay, I want, I want the split to look like this, or I want to add this exercise, kind of put my spin on it, making sure it was, um, I don't want to say bodybuilding focused, but more something that was true to my training. Yeah. Um, and so our thing was always kind of like, you know, you want to, you want to, you don't want to be an ornament. You want to. You don't want to just look good. Yeah. You want to look good, but you also want to be able to perform. Yeah. Being an athlete growing up, I think that that was always. I I stayed it longer than our football fitness class because I wanted to train some beach muscles. But that was always after the fact of making sure you do your power cleans. Yeah. Your you know your if it's we never did hang snatch, but your front squats, your back squats, following that true like we did in like Nebraska strength training at our high school was mm. the low like five sets of five and things like that. And so I think that it was always like, Hey, we can't just be getting, you know, and Jake was the same way. We align on our goals. It was look good, but always be getting stronger or always be following your goal, whether it's a power phase, whether it's a strength phase. Um, and then also getting lean. We do, we have a program that is more, I would say, supersets, but also more diet focused on, on, on leaning out as well.
3: So when you guys first got together, how does that conversation go? You already have got a lot of attraction and fame and and stuff. You bring someone in who really doesn't bring that table. Of course he's got the knowledge. Did you right out the gate, say, Hey, whatever we're going to build together is gonna be 50, 50. Like, how did you
2: decide? Yeah. And I, I think I probably always, again, getting back to, I always probably underestimate myself and overestimate other people, what they're, what they're bringing to things. And I think that that's probably whether it's companies I've worked with or potential partnerships, I think, again, I, I want people to succeed because I want them to feel excited about things. So I was like, hey, you know, you're you're doing some programming for a CrossFit gym right now. Like, you know, let's create this together type of a thing. You know, I really valued I still do value him for for what he knows with the strength and, and conditioning side of things. But ultimately, I think that it kind of got me doing less of what I was good at as well, where it's like, again, when you get back into training people. When you get back into the things that you know you got kind of to started doing originally, yeah, it, like keeps you sharp. Yeah, um, if you're not doing those things, you kind of just lose it. Did you so. guys split the
3: investment to build it too, or yep. was
2: that so well? You got- it, there really wasn't a ton of invest. We kind of we we kind of actually started off um, with some challenge stuff, and then as it grew. Things kind of got a little bit weird business-wise. He had another company that he was doing some gym software stuff for. So we're kind of still in the middle of 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 working through all of that kind of stuff. And I will say on the business side of things, I think, you know, again, we get along because we're kind of like, like you guys. Mutual respect goes a long way. I know, you know, what you're talking about. Let me do what I'm good at. I'll... Respect you and 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 trust you to let you do what you're good at, and then let's come in and, and talk about where we align on core values and things like that. So, and so the app's now profitable and doing. Yeah, the app is is definitely you know we have a we have a gym that like for the first five years we're like if we can just break even on this we're we're going to mm-hmm. be happy because it's a place where we can film all of our stuff. Now we're you know we're profitable in the gym. Oh, where's the gym at? It's in Saint George. Oh, cool. Yeah, same spot. So again, it's it's you know we have like 400 members, but it's 11,000 square feet, and you know it's it's. Totally different crowd than when I was training at Gold's Gym Venice. Like living in L.A., I just I I, you can't get worlds more worlds apart than St. George in Mm -hmm. L.A. And I kind of like that pace a lot. I was just gonna
0: say, like, how was a guy like you growing up? You know, Utah, big family, all that, and then you go live in
2: L.A. What was it like living in L.A.? Every day I was like, why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) Every every day I was like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? And it's it's funny. I, I think it was just like. Again, I, I stuck it out way longer because people are like, oh, no, after a year, you'll like it. I never liked L.A. And I think, again, now I'm like, if you like L.A. and you're not from California, I think you're weird. There's people <laughs> yeah. that do. L.A. is always tough uh, for me when I land yeah. and I walk yeah, around and go. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's Orange so nice. County, like San Diego, like, yeah. you know, like there's parts of California I love. But L.A., mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just. It feels like everybody's waiting to get discovered or yep. something.
0: I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like you're walking they around something from Instagram yeah. land.
2: Yeah. It feels very,
0: very strange. And Gold's
2: Gym was kind of the heart of that. There oh. were so many, like, crushed dreams. I, I thought I was going to be the next Arnold, but I'm living in my van outside. And yeah. I was just like, ooh. I, I remember, like, before OnlyFans was a thing, you had, like, the, the gay for pay. Yeah. Oh. And that was massive in that Gold's Gym. And you just had, I think, Muscle a lot
3: worship, of- Muscle worship, all that yeah,
2: stuff. Yeah. So I remember being approached by, like, my first week there in the parking lot. Someone was like, hey, do you need another sponsor? They rolled up in their car. Like, do you need another sponsor? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and I'm like
2: what do you mean like I have I have bodybuilding.com they're like well you know super discreet but I was just like no I'm good I'm good but I was like I've often been like if you're you know so-and-so from Missouri moved out there yeah, you have struggling. no money it's like yeah. you can see why again people can take advantage of yeah there's that yeah. dark cloud of LA where it feels like yeah. yeah
3: I didn't even know that was a thing until I got into competing that was no I didn't either I thought it was like a joke that yeah. someone was really doing but like someone was fucking with me I was like oh this is like a thing like yeah. people actually
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's crazy actually how long it's been going on with yeah. like, and then what was a Killer Sally did uh, you guys yeah, watch yeah. that great, oh, yeah. great documentary I had a hard time watching oh, it because yeah. it was so it hit home to Gold's Gym Venice I was like I know these these people, I mean, not those people, like, but people like yeah, that, and it was just like it's such a sad industry when you get into that hardcore competing world where yeah, yeah. you're spending so much money to compete and not getting anything out of yeah. it. Yeah. What, what,
3: what would you say, Steve, is the most misunderstood thing about you?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, misunderstood. I don't know. I, I think probably have you guys seen what is it? blue, blue collar. No, what is it with Thad Castle? Hmm. You remember? What is that? Blue Mountain State, that, okay. that TV show you guys ever seen that? No, 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 no. Well, there's that, that jock football player guy that's on there. It's just a D bag. And I feel like people sometimes when they'd actually meet me like, you're way different than I thought you'd be. I you, thought you'd be a douchebag. I bag. thought you'd be a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I think it's probably because I have a bunch of brothers and sisters that if I wasn't being a douchebag and there was plenty of times I was being a douchebag, they would tell me. Oh, yeah. That's great. yeah that,
3: oh, there he is. Thad, <laughs> Thad Castle. Yeah. yeah it's that. If you
2: watch it, I love his character in it because he's just that quintessential jock. It's just the meathead who's an a hole. Yeah. But that, like you know, I played linebacker. He's a linebacker, and like I, so, I always imagine people see me as Thad Castle. Okay. Uh,
3: another another deep question. So we uh, we always talk about uh, most of us that are in the fitness space that become very passionate about it. Most of us were driven to the gym by some sort of insecurities. Do you think that that has a lot to do with? I know you have the athletic background, but do you think you have wrestled with a lot of, uh, insecurities that drove you into the gym?
2: It's interesting. Cause I think off the top of my head, I would say, no, it was, it was my dad. Like it was a way to kind of bond with my dad mm-hmm. because we didn't, he, he was kind of that hard, hard ass dad, that military type dad that when I would get a good job, it was probably because of something i did physically mm. so i would say that it's an insecurity sure um but it's probably, so not a body one yeah more like an approval yeah mm. probably more of an approval like that was that was me making making my dad happy to do like oh i remember when i was a kid he'd be like oh you know, before I'd run my hundred meter, you'd be like Bo Jackson at your age would probably do this in a
1: minute, <laughs> a, minute in a minute
2: and thirty four. Standard and super realistic, right? yeah. And and so and so like I just remember that was how I would like try to get his approval, I think. So. okay, so what are some <laughs> things,
3: since we're talking about dads, we're all fathers in here, uh, what are some things that you would take from your dad that when you're a father, you're like, I I I definitely wanna make sure I emulate that and what are yeah. things you're like, I I'm gonna do that different.
2: I think uh, So, so doing things different, I would say just unconditional love. I think that that's a a very important thing for a kid to, to know and understand. It's like, no matter what you do, and I think this gets back to almost religious views, no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, like you're always going to be my son or my daughter. There's nothing you can do, but there's things that that you do that disappoint me. um, Because I I think it's not being your your best self. Like approaching it from that love first, like, Mm -hmm. hey, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to break my dad's trust, not because I'm scared I'm going to get an ass whooping, but mm. because I don't want to see the hurt that that causes him. I didn't have that as a kid. It was like, I'm Theory. scared. I'm going to get the ass whooping. <laughs> and I think that that does go, you know, you have to have consequences because in life, if you don't teach your kids that there's consequences for actions, they're, it's going to be They're going rude. to learn it at some point. Yeah, it's going to be a rude awakening. Um, and then I think the, the other thing that I think that I, you know, I love that my dad, he was open for we had a lot of hard discussions, but, and it was almost kind of like doom and gloom. Sometimes I think he got that from his parents, but um, how to work hard, save money, doing the things like, Hey, as a dad, I need to make sure that, you know, you, you know, a Yeah. How to work hard, how to, how to make sure that you don't quit on things. Same as sports, like kind of those same sports lessons. And then I think ultimately, you know, family, like it was like God family. And then, yeah, and that, that kind of order. So I think mm. that he, he also probably, I never saw my dad go out and party. Go out Like he never was a boy's boy. Like he was never like a man's man hanging out with buddies after work. Like it was always coming home to my mom, treating my stepmom really well. And I think that that, you know, they had a good relationship that I think that I could build off of.
3: Yeah, it's funny how that that seems like that's different. I think that's what our culture has been the last. We talk about the Peter Pan syndrome and that we celebrate the dads that are the bros that are going out and doing yeah. it, but it's like that's what makes a good dad to yeah. be. The dad that comes home, that's around, that becomes a family man when he's like that. What about your relationship with money? You come from kind of a blue-collar background and then you have your rise to fame and money. Like, how's that journey been? Did you were did you get a windfall at one time and then did you blow a lot? Like,
2: have you been I, conservative with your money? I have one item that i regret buying and it was a louis vuitton duffel bag wow and i bought it like in spain it was kind of like you know you're i think my buddy sean stafford was buying something for his wife and i was single at the time and like i bought this bag and every time i see it now i've never like i've never used it really and, uh, yeah it's just one of those things like i'm so cheap i'm so frugal like morgan she's not she's not a spender either but she's the spender out of us and i think it's bad because it's it's also one of those things that where it's like I I don't like paying full price for anything. I'm just like it's weird. It's like and so it's it's almost a bad thing. It's like, hey man, enjoy yourself, do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think like I yeah, I know what it's like to work at Texas Roadhouse. I never I I I always want to make sure that I, you know, like I'll even do stupid brand deals where it's like, just pay for that rather than like if it's a brand that I like. I remember I did a protein cereal brand deal. I like the protein cereal, but it was like I I wanted to try it. So I was just like, Hey, do you guys want to do a a brand deal? And they're like, yeah, we'd love to. And they paid me money for it, but it was just because I wanted to try it. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to buy this. I'm not going to buy this. I'm going to reach out and and see if they (laughs) want to do a brand deal. So it was actually pretty good. (laughs) Do you find,
0: do you find now uh, as an, you know, as an adult uh, that you, because of your relationship with your dad, that you feel like you have to, uh, earn somebody's love constantly. Do you find yourself in that place where you're like, I have to be lovable yeah. by doing these things and bringing
2: value? Is that yeah. a challenge? I think I think that is a, a massive challenge. The the people pleasing, just kind of mm-hmm. even saying yes to things. Like this is probably five six years ago. You know, saying yes to things that you know you can't do. Um, and I think that that stems from that. Like you just want to make people happy. You want to keep so and so. You know, you don't want to get in trouble. You want to keep dad happy. And and I think that that's ultimately. One of the biggest things I, I I try to catch myself if I start doing, it, but hey, don't don't do the people pleasing thing. Yeah. So
0: um, I, there's been somewhat of a movement uh, that's been kind of anti-football for kids, talking about it's mm. danger and mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the the concussion and all that stuff. But uh, you know Justin is such an advocate of the, the the life skills you learn from football. I've heard you now mention sports and yeah. what it taught you. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's uh, that there's more
2: more positive than negative? I think if taught right. Like as growing up, I'm sure you're in the same boat. I was told to, like put your nose in someone's numbers. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not the correct way to tackle. <laughs> like who's who's teaching that? We like, did a lot of head tackling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's where I think that I don't think football needs to necessarily be this inherent like no no. I think that if you get behind teaching correct form tackling and things like that, you look at rugby players. They don't have they have shoulder and knee issues ma- mainly shoulder from again they lead mm-hmm. with their shoulder. Um, But we all of a sudden throw on a helmet and think we're invincible. So I'm not going to say I'm not going to let my... I'll I'll let my kids play football, but I won't be devastated if they don't. Mm. Um, And I definitely think sports in general teaches lessons that you really don't learn. Tremendous lessons. Yeah. Yeah, huge lessons. Have
3: you started thinking more about fatherhood now that you're contemplating having a child soon? Like, I mean, is that...
2: Yeah, I think that's always kind of, you know, as a kid, you're always like, I'll do this different, I'll do that. But I, I almost look at it as... You know, when i was on the biggest loser i tried you know john wooden is probably all-time greatest basketball coach from ucla mm-hmm. you know one more college championships than anyone else I, I read one of his books when i was actually doing the biggest loser trying to be a better coach and trying to you know not focus so much on the winning and losing and i think geez i could in utah i don't know if it's like this everywhere but parents focus so much at these kids' games on the wins and losses, yelling at the refs and things like that, rather than teaching life lessons to their kids, Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on effort, rather than, you know, like all they care about, oh yeah, my kid, you know, won, scored this many touchdowns, but like, you know, so that to me is like, as a parent, I want to be somebody who doesn't focus on external like wins and losses. It's more about, hey, at the end of the day, Doors closed, you're in your bed at night. Like, can you say you, you played your hardest or you you were a good teammate or, you know, just whatever that is. I think that's way more important. And on that Biggest Loser, I tried telling, you know, that process, whether it's a fitness journey, whether it's uh, parenthood, it's like this idea of like, you got to enjoy this this process. If you just enjoy the outcome, you're going to be let down constantly. Yeah, like yeah. when w- win or lose some of, like I, like I said earlier, some of my most low points I was walking around la eating 12 donuts after a show because there was nowhere yeah there was no, and there was nowhere for me to get my brush from it was like that that happened i have no goals right now it was like it, it became it became such a toxic thing yeah totally
0: yeah. well steve you're a very interesting person I'm glad we had you on the show man
1: it was Definitely. good to be here. Yeah, I yeah. do
0: think that you, were, you're, you're, you should do long form. I think that would be your. Your. How long did we run right now? Oh, that was over an hour and a half. Hey, that's yeah. pretty yeah. good. Yeah. good. Yeah. That was good. almost two hours. Yeah, and that actually, was awesome. Man. No, cool. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot
2: of fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.